<laughs> speaking on giving thanks. Imagine that. Um, <laughs> there's this, you know, this guy, um, well, whenever you wake up in the morning, are you a thankful person or are you a, a grouchy person? That's a, that's a Scrooge, okay. So um, are we a bah humbug or are we, you know, a pleasant person? You know, do we wake up and say, oh, God, it's morning? <laughs> or are we the person who wakes up and go, oh, God, it's morning? <laughs> you know? So we, we start off the day basically with our attitudes and our actions and giving thanks. And do we give thanks? And what do we give thanks for? i got nothing to be happy about. <laughs> you know, I've got, you know, so we go through the routines of I've got everything to be thankful for, I have nothing to be thankful for. And if what you have isn't good enough, getting more won't help. <laughs> if you're not thankful for what you possess, how can possession, other possessions make you happy? So being happy or, and happy and thankful not necessarily the same thing. Happy depends on happenings. Being thankful is an attitude towards things, okay? So whenever we are being thankful, we are talking about our relationship with God. We're talking about how that God is going to provide for us, how that God is going to work through our lives, and how that we are going to work with him, and how he is going to work through us, and how that life is going to arrive or he wants it to. In our uh, scripture text today, I have a, a number of them, but in 1 Samuel chapter 16, this is uh, David. Now, <clears throat> David's an interesting character because there's, there's different aspects of his life, and, and we see how that different aspects of his life come together to add up to King David who wrote the Psalms and who is the leader of Israel. Guess what? In our lives, it's that same progression. There are things adding up over and through our lives that are taking us to a destination, to a place of who we are and who God wants us to be. And that journey can have a number of difficulties or a number of situations that are not what we expect. We look at the end product and say with King David, well, God had it all planned and God took him through all these places and gave him all this ability. But it really wasn't what God gave him. It was David's attitude towards God, to be receptive to God, to be receptive of what God wanted to do in his life. And we start off with, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 5, Samuel comes to the town. God has told Samuel, I want you to go to Bethlehem and I want you to go there, and I want you to anoint a king. Well, Samuel said, God, I can't do that. Because King Saul, he's not going to like it. He's going to kill me, and he's going to kill the, the person I, whom I anoint. So the king, or Samuel, he sets out to anoint David. And he goes off on this mission to offer a sacrifice. So it's under this disguise, or under the influence of going to this community and offering a sacrifice for the, for the community and for those in the community. When Samuel arrives, 
verse 5, the people want to know, what's wrong? What are you doing here? You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like the preacher showing up at your house. Did we do something wrong? I will come to the church. We'll be back, you know. What did we do wrong that, you know, brought you out here to our house? Or like visiting someone in the hospital, they look at me and I said, well, you know, I'm the chaplain. I come around to visit and they go, am I that bad? Am I dying? <laughs> you know, it's like, no, no, no. This is what I do all the time. You know, oh man, I thought I was dying. You know, you came to see me. Must be <laughs> death warmed over. So nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. I've come to sacrifice this heifer and lead you in worship of God. Prepare yourselves, be consecrated, join me in worship. And he made sure, okay? So the real purpose of why he was there, the underlying purpose was, he made sure Jesse and his sons were also consecrated and called to worship. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab, Eliab, there we go. Eliab and thought, here he is, God's anointed. So Samuel is coming to anoint someone whom he doesn't know, but he knows he's of the house of Jesse. He's going to anoint him to be king of Israel. Now Saul was anointed king, and he looked the part. He looked like a king, you know? Did you ever, I was, I was uh, in one of the rooms in hospice the other day, and this guy walked in, and I goes, wow, he really looks like a preacher. You know, I don't know what preachers look like, but, you know, I didn't look like him. I said, boy, he looks like a preacher. He's tall, he's about 6'4", has dark hair, shiny beard, and a coat and tie, and he's carrying a Bible, and I go, wow, he looks like a preacher. You know, me, I just run around in a shirt and walk in, hello, you know, <laughs> he looks like a preacher. Well, here is Samuel looking at, Jesse's oldest son, and looks at him and says, wow, he looks like a king. He's the one that God's going to anoint as king. Well, I say, <laughs> look at your life, and you say, well, this is what I'm really thankful for, because this is where God is working. And it doesn't work there. <laughs> God isn't there. Things don't, things fall through. It doesn't come together. It's not. So we have a way, and here we have in the scripture, that uh, God told Samuel, looks aren't everything. <laughs> you know, generally people like in my size think being skinny isn't everything, you know. <laughs> or people who have hair, just because they have their hair doesn't mean anything, you know. Well, God told Samuel, looks aren't everything. Don't be impressed with his looks and stature. I've already eliminated him. Okay? So when we are looking for something to be thankful for, how many times do we look on the outward appearance of what it is? How many times do we look at the outward appearance and say, this is what I want because it looks like this is where the blessing will come from. This is what God is up to. This is where I am going to focus my happiness and my joy and everything on. Well, God says here, God judges persons differently than humans do. Men and women look at the face. God looks into the heart. Think, God is interested in the character of you and I. So what describes character what is it about our life that 
is something that God would be attracted to. You know, if we're six foot six, tall, dark, and handsome, full head of hair, you know, very intelligent, great deep voice, commander of eloquence and speech, <laughs> people are drawn to the character. Is that what God looks at? Well, it helps. <laughs> But God is drawn to the character of the person and what he says, what he does. But what is the intention of the heart? God is going to, we are going, when we stand before God, what he is going to be the discloser of all the unspoken words, the intentions of the heart, how that we wanted to do things. And the good thing about that is God's grace and mercy is there to help us. Okay, that's not a good thought. God, help me move on from that. God's grace and mercy is there to help us move, move beyond it. So in our thankfulness, we are thankful to God that he looks beyond my faults. He sees my need. He sees what I can become. He sees what, God, what he wants to do in our life, and he is trying to lead us as the shepherd is leading his sheep. He is trying to lead us in the paths of righteousness, in the right path for our righteousness, his righteous activity. So God told Samuel that he looks on the heart. Verse 8, Jesse then called up Abimadad and presented him to Samuel. Samuel said, this man isn't God's choice either. Next, Jesse presented Shema. Samuel said, no, this isn't him either. Jesse presented his seven sons to Samuel. Samuel was blunt with Jesse. God hasn't chosen any of these. Now, if you were David, you, you have not been asked to come in before the prophet. You are, and the words here, the runt <laughs> the runt. How many got the runt of the litter? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. The dog. The dog we got from Janet. You know, the dog. You know, he was the runt of the litter, and that dog wouldn't die. I mean, he was lit so long, no matter how you tried. He, you know. No, just kidding. He was a good dog. He was 18 years old. Yeah. It's like the, I said this in Sunday school, so those of you who weren't here, I'll tell you. There's this guy, his dog, this dog come up to his house, and um, he couldn't get rid of him. The wife fed him. You feed a dog, you'll never leave. So if you feed a dog, a cat never going to leave. So the, the wife said, you know, and the husband said, you know, we got to get rid of this dog. So he took him down the road a mile or two and left him off and drove home. And we turned around, the dog's following him back the road. So he says, well, you know, I'll take him further down the road. So about the 10 miles down the road, and about two hours later, he's back. So the wife said, you know what? Go out there, drive all over these roads, and take him so out there, so where he have no idea where he's at, and he'll never find his way home. So the guy goes and drives all around and everything. About three or four hours, five hours later, he calls his wife, and he says, is the dog there? He says, yep, dog's here. Where are you at? He says, I'm lost. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, so he got lost. So when you're the runt of the litter, whenever, you know, so David, he is not someone that you would look at and say, there's a king. You know, in, uh, on the television, they have the X factor. 
The X factor, I guess, is people who look at individuals and say they have what it takes, but they don't know what it is, but they have what it takes to be successful. The thing that God is telling us is when we serve him, we have the thing that it takes to become what God wants us to be. David is the runt. (laughs) You know, and verse 10 says, Jesse presented the seven sons to Samuel. Samuel was blunt. God hasn't chosen any of these. So they're all expecting. Here are, see, seven guys, seven seven sons presenting themselves to to, uh, Jesse, excuse me, to Samuel, and they're saying, we are the next king. And Samuel says, no, you're not. Move on. Well, I'm better than him. I'm better looking. I'm better. I'm smarter than my brother, you know. None of them. So he looked at Jesse. Is this it? Are there no more sons? Well, there's the runt. (laughs) But he's out tending the sheep. (laughs) He's out tending the sheep. Samuel orders Jesse, go get him. We're not moving from the spot until he's here. Jesse sent for him. He was brought in. The very picture of health, bright-eyed, good-looking. He was just a young kid and, you know, out taking care of the sheep, bouncing in over there, flinging his, got his, uh, probably got his sling with him, you know. (laughs) He's throwing rocks. (laughs) I don't know. God said, up on your feet, anoint him. This is the one. See, in our life, we are, we are prone to look at things a certain way. We've been programmed to look at things a certain way. Programmed in our society, programmed even in our culture, what we believe is to be um, good, what what we believe is to be admirable. And we try to measure up. We try to fit ourselves into these blocks. You know, we try to fit ourselves into these patterns because this is what makes someone important. And God is saying, not necessarily so. God, God has a way of seeing things. And see, whenever we, whenever we allow ourselves to see as God sees, that the good that we have and the, the, the abilities that we have of spreading the message of Jesus Christ, what is the greatest thing that a man can do? Presented, a question presented to one guy, he's some dignitary. What do you think is the greatest thing that a man can do? And his response was to lead another person to Jesus Christ. So you see, the value of who we are is not in what we can accomplish, but in how we can help and influence the lives of others. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy follow us wherever we go. And that there are people and the situations we find themselves in, that it is there... (laughs) that we're going to find the hand of God. And we're being thankful that we have that ability. I am thanking God for that. Anybody know where pearls come from? Where? Oysters. And how are pearls formed? What's that? An irritant. How many love to be irritants? I see that hand. (laughs) How many love to have it in your life? (laughs) 
How many people that are irritants in our lives are we thankful for? <laughs> you know, I wish they would just go to another planet and everything would be fine. <laughs> but a pearl becomes a pearl because of an irritant in the oyster, a grain of sand. And the grain of sand that creates the orient, the um, irritant creates a secretion that goes around the grain of sand and that keeps putting this secretion around the grain of sand until that even the pearl itself continues to be greater in shape and size and color based, on the per, uh, based upon the oyster and the irritant. So we who love pearls, ladies, that the pearl of great price in the scriptures, it is basically an irritant that has been made into something different. And that is why God is saying to us that we are to be thankful for the irritants in our life because God is making something out of an irritant. And in our lives, see, we would not be thankful for the irritant, but it isn't that we are, you know, God, I'm so thankful that that person <laughs> is in my life, you know. Oh, God, it's morning. <laughs> the idea is I am thankful for what God is doing in our lives through the irritant. That I, you know, sometimes, sometimes the irritant, <laughs> is there somebody, you know, you don't have to answer this one, but is there somebody in your life that you just, you know, they're just an irritant, and they've been an irritant for the whole time we've ever known them, and they've been an irritant for 25, 30 years. <laughs> and I don't know when they're ever going to change. <laughs> and see, maybe God is saying, I'm not going to change the irritant, that person. I'm going to change you. <laughs> maybe I need to change. Well, it isn't that the person is not doing something wrong, and maybe they're deliberately doing something wrong, but the, the, the goal is that God wants to develop something in our character that we need to be, that needs to be part of who we are, and as we find a way to overcome that difficulty, we are actually opening other doors to the possibilities and the potentials and where God wants to lead us. And it is that, it is that difficulty, it is that situation that we face that we need to overcome, and God is providing this person in our life to help us arrive at that place. That's why God wants us to be thankful. In everything, give thanks. <laughs> give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks. It isn't that <laughs> I love this person and what they do. I am giving thanks that God is at work in here. You see, Jesus, whenever Mary and Martha, in Luke chapter 10, verse 41 and 42, Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. Martha was concerned about getting the meal ready for Jesus and the disciples. Mary is seated at the feet of Jesus, listening. Martha comes in and says, Jesus... She needs to be in the kitchen helping me get this work ready, so get this meal ready so that all of you can eat. <laughs> and Jesus tells Martha, you just 
got to relax a little bit. Your trouble, too many things get you off course. Mary has chosen something that can never be taken from her. Sometimes in our life we need to just settle down. <laughs> and when we're troubled about this and troubled about that, the weather and the ice and the snow and the cold and the neighbors and the kids and the parents and the, you know, and the tro- tro- you know, trouble, troubles, woes, we trouble, trouble, oh my, oh me, you know? Just step back and say, David, David, you're troubled about many things. Don't lose sight of what is most important. Evil's attempt to to divert the Christian from carrying out the task that God has committed. All of these troubles, their goal is to get us off course so that we do not continue on the course that God has for us because we become distracted by the difficulties and the difficult person and all the things going on. And you see, we never want to be, diff- we never want to be difficult. We never want to be distracted. We want to be focused on what God is, and so we end up giving thanks to God for the irritant that this is in my, in my oyster, <laughs> In, in my shell, you know? Somehow in my perfect environment, in my perfect little world that I have created, there is an irritant in it. This is the oyster. And inside the oyster, somehow a grain of sand has gotten in here, and I need to get it out. And it's not going to get out. It can't escape. The irritant can't go away. So I have to make a pearl out of it. Martha, Martha, you got an irritant in your skin. (laughs) You got an irritant in your perfect world. And you want everything to be perfect, but it's not. You see, (laughs) troubles will want to attract others to come and be more troubles with us. Troubles attract troubles. Troubled people attract troubled people because you have somebody to complain about and complain with and complain to. Well, Adam and Eve in the garden, they are distracted from God's word. And, you know, when God called to Adam, where are you? He said, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid. And God said, who told you you were naked? Who have you been talking to that has brought about the realities of this irritant? Who is the one that you've been talking to that says you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not capable enough, you're not enough? (laughs) You know, you come up lacking everywhere. Who are you talking to? This will never be any good. This will never work out. This will, who are you talking to? Jesus, God wants to know. And God isn't the one who's telling us how bad we are. God is not the one who is saying how incapable we are. God is the one who is giving us promises and giving us potential, giving us opportunities, giving us his spirit and his grace, his mercy that are going to help us overcome. 
In Psalm 111, verse 1, it says, Hallelujah, I give thanks to God with everything I've got, which is a heartfelt, spirit-felt gratitude to God. I give thanks to God for everything I've got. Wherever people, wherever good people gather, and in the congregation, God's work are so great worth a lifetime of study. If we were to study the greatness of God, it would be an endless study. Splendor and beauty mark his craft. His generosity never gives out. (laughs) God's generosity never gives out. So God is at work in us and being thankful for the goodness of God and what God wants to bestow upon our lives is, you know, God has a generous spirit. We can never outgive God. We can never outpraise Him. We can never outlive Him. We can never <laughs> exceed what God wants to do. It's just continuous, ongoing. His miracles are memorial. I mean, his, the miracles, the good things that God is doing in our life are things that we need to remember. 1 Thessalonians. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient towards all men, see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the Spirit. Did you notice that we often quote this in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God? Well, prior to that it says rejoice, and it says pray. Rejoice and pray and know that God is at work God is at work, God is at work, God is at work in all things. So we are praying about everything, we are rejoicing in what has happened in our lives and what is happening, even if we can't see what, it, what its purpose is, we are rejoicing and thankful because God is at work in all things, and if God is, God is at work in all things, and don't quench the Spirit of God, by what? By not rejoicing and praying and being thankful. Don't quench the Spirit of God by not rejoicing, by not praying, and not by not being thankful. You see, what we do is we squelch out, we blow out the candle of hope whenever we don't pray, we don't rejoice, we don't give thanks, and we're just kind of like stuffing it, the light under a bushel basket. In the Message Bible, it says, be cheerful no matter what. Be cheerful is setting an expectation that we have an expectancy that God is going to do a work in our lives. He's going to do something great in us. God is going to do something great in us. And that's why we're so thankful. Well, this doesn't look too good. It doesn't matter what it looks like. We are putting our our expectation in God and how he is going to do it. So thank God no matter what happens, this is the way God wants you who belong to Christ Jesus to live. 
in the Message Bible. This is the way God wants you to be, who belong to Christ to live. This is the way he wants you to live. Thankful. God wants to see, God wants us to see his hand in everything in our life. Well, they're not Christians, and they're not this, and he didn't, where did, you know, what, what is there about this in everything that we don't understand? Well, there's this irritant. <laughs> there is this person who is a constant irritant, and they don't even know you. Okay, so... Does that cancel out God's promise? How about Romans 8:28? This is our these are our two main scriptures that we const, that I constantly use. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. It is saying that God is at work in all things. God is at work in all things. Well, this is a bad thing, okay? Doesn't mean God initiated it, but God is going to finish it. God is at work. Well, what about the irritant? God is at work. Why do you think they're so irritable? (laughs) Because God is at work. The the Spirit of God is irritating their their evil spirit. You know, there's a um, one of the plazas we pulled in, and Rhonda went to buy a scarf, and while I'm looking right at this big palm, you know. Now open, big psychic in, our, in the plaza, you know, want these readings. And I'm there just praying in the Spirit. <laughs> just praying, you know, that the Spirit of God would, you know, overshadow, interrupt, cause that, those spirits not to function. Because just like breaking the circuit, you know, pulling out the fuse. There's no connection. Why? Because God is covering them and the people who would be drawn to that would lose that because there's an irritant in their spirit of going towards evil, but the Spirit of God would be there to say, don't go there. See? The Message Bible in Romans 8.28, it says, Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us. When we get tired waiting, God, the Holy Spirit, is right alongside us, and he's helping us. And if we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. I don't know how to pray to make this something good. Don't worry about it. He does, not, he does our praying in us and for us, making prayers out of our wordless sighs. How many are sires? <sighs> how many are sires? Anybody sires? Oh, what's wrong? I don't know. Any sires? You have the deep, the high. Oh, no. Yeah. Is it ever going to change? You see, I don't know how to pray. Uh, God knows. He does our praying in and for us, making prayers out of our wordless sighs and our aching groans. Oh. 
He knows us far better than we know ourselves. He knows our pregnant condition. We're trying to birth something and we are frustrated with it. How about, you know, do you sigh when something is really good? Oh my, it's really good. (laughs) We sigh and groan when it's just not working the way we want. We've got a pregnant expectation that is not coming forth. And what does he say? Our pregnant condition keeps us present before God. That's why we cannot be sure. That's why we can be sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is working into something good. God is at work in every situation. He is working it out to something that is good. And it is a focus is that God is at work. That What a blessing it is to receive more and more of God's mercy and grace. This is the God we know and serve, and we are supposed to see him as as such. So in all of our thanks, in all of our work, in all of our lives, we are first seeing God at work. God is at work. God is at work. Say that. God is at work. God is at work. You know, we see these people slow down, men at work, Sometimes we need to say, oh, in our groans, slow down, God at work. (laughs) Pray God, pray God, pray God, pray to God that he help us, direct us in our path, in our walk, and in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We are giving thanks with a grateful heart. (laughs) Give thanks. For Jesus Christ is at work in our lives and in the situations of our lives. So this thanksgiving, give thanks. Shall we stand? (laughs) It's time to sit up and the preacher's done. Remember, I I, I don't don't know where I, I, I don't know if I'll blame God on this one. Remember, God will not overfill us. (laughs) He will never give us more blessings than what we can handle. Did you ever say it that way? Most of the time we say, well, God will never give us more troubles than what a person can handle. God will never give us more blessings than what we can take. How many blessings can we take in our life? How many blessings? And see, being thankful just sets it all up that God is at work blessing us, not distressing us. (laughs) Amen? Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayers, our groans, our sighs. (laughs) Thank you for interpreting them. Thank you, Lord, that in each situation... Your spirit is alongside of us, helping us, preparing us for our next step. Let us be grateful for the God who has given us all grace and mercy, whose bounty knows no limits, whose grace has no measure. God, we thank you that that is the God who pours into our lives. Help us, O Lord, to see your hand in the things that we encounter in the people that we encounter, knowing that you are at work 
in us and for us. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. God is at work. (laughs) Everybody say that one. God is at work in me. (laughs) In my testimony.